the rumbling. Do you hear it? Can you feel it? You're walking, ready to shoot the ball or picking up your pencil for a test and here they come, anxiety elephants. You know the feeling, right? They sneak around in the bushes waiting for the right moment to strike. At this point, it's too late. There's nothing you can do to stop them. Suddenly, they pounce. A herd of elephants jump up and down on your chest. If you struggle with what I've described, know you are not alone. I hid my struggle against anxiety for a long time. I thought anxiety elephants, as I like to call them, only attacked me. I didn't know there were others who struggled with the same thing. Growing up, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, but I didn't know what it was. When I would get bullied or be afraid of something, my heart would race or I couldn't sleep at night. Sometimes trying to get one breath out was exhausting. I will never forget in fifth grade waking up with blurry vision and extreme headaches. I told my parents my symptoms and they took me to the doctor. He asked if I was being bullied. He mentioned anxiety and I was relieved to know what was happening inside my body. However, he didn't give me any solutions I could use to cope with and overcome my problems. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited today to have with us Karis Snyder. She has written the phenomenal Anxiety Elephants for Tweens, now has one for girls and for boys. And we have the honor and privilege of hearing from her, her voice, and actually hearing her heart on how we can better equip the next generation to deal with this unprecedented <gasps> anxiety and overwhelm. Did you hear that in my voice? <laughs> I just had to take my deep breath before I start. <laughs> so welcome, Karis. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for, for having me and taking that deep breath for all of us, because I think we all feel it. It's a collective feeling. It is collective and it's global. That's what's different. Yes. You know, and I think that's what all the experts are leading us to. It's It, it wasn't just a, a United States trauma as 911. Of course, that had ramifications across the world. But this global pandemic, you know, has affected the entire world shut down. And that is unprecedented, obviously. And so I asked you before we came on, Karis, and by the way, your name does mean grace, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to name one of my children Karis, but our last name has two R's, Rarden. So it's like... Um. Karis Rarden was like a lot of R's. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I have a strong affinity for that name. It just is such a beautiful um, part of God, Karis, his grace. I was asking what's on your heart today. And so I would just love with you for you to share with um, our community, our heart lifters. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier just about how our kids, they're being attacked so much by the enemy now. And yes, he's always been after them, attacking them, but now he's not hiding it. Like there no. is no hiding. It is. There's no lurking. 
no lurking. I mean, it is a full on attack. War is waged on their souls, on their minds, on every part Our identity. of identity. Their identity, who they are, they're so confused. They don't, they don't have a firm foundation. They don't know how to make it. And they're so pulled into wanting to be accepted, wanting to appear as though they accept others. Um, and they're, they're not getting truth. They're not getting true. Right. And so I, I think it has been just over the last couple of years, I've just become so passionate about equipping them for war. I wish I could go back to the, the good old days where we're just protecting them, putting them in a bubble. Oh, but, I know. You know, my eyes have been opened to see they're not in a bubble. And if you we can't don't keep them in a bubble, them, yeah. no, if we don't protect them, if we don't equip them, they're not going to be ready. They're not going to be prepared. So it is time we stand in the gap. We have the hard conversations. We talk about these real things because yeah. if we don't, the enemy will get to them before we do. And I, I mean, I get so fired up just thinking about it. And I just want to encourage everyone in this battle. We don't have all the answers. We're mm-hmm. going to make some mistakes along the way, but God's grace, God's yeah. goodness He's going to meet us there. He's going to meet them there. And he's going to help us all walk through this together because they have been created this generation for mm-hmm. such a time as this. They have. Exactly. This is their moment. You know, it is. God's calling David's. He's calling Joshua's. He's calling he Ruth's. He's, he's calling, calling some Ezekiel's. He's calling yeah. some prophets to do some crazy things. That's right. right. That's right. And so we Esters. have to do our mm-hmm. jobs to um, mentor them, be those Pauls, you know, mm-hmm. and mentor them. And so that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. And we're mentoring them, yeah. preparing them mentally, sound minds. Yeah. And Cause I always think of Daniel. I just yeah. think of Daniel so much. And I think, you know, when we talk about pandemics and mm. shutdowns and lockdowns and exiles and all of these things, there is nothing new under the sun. So I just, I want to preface this conversation with you, Karis, because I feel like we can, you're just, you've got your finger on the pulse. And so if you're new to the podcast, uh, my worldview, if you don't know, is from the Judeo-Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, the lens at which I see the world the glasses I put on every day, I see them through in, you know, a faith lens. I follow the ways of Jesus. I follow his word. On the other hand, I want to have open conversations because I feel like if we can't come to the table, and that's why you're here, Karis, to help us, because I feel like, Karis, I said to you, I now have three grown adult children who are now bringing me my little grandbabies. And I wish I was walking before this uh, interview praying and just like, I wish I had had, and I call it the emotional language. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I I had a propensity towards it, obviously, uh, because of who I am, but I didn't go back to get my uh, master's in counseling until my fifties. So they were already in college. What can we do? Help us. So that, because there were mistakes made, I'm saying, I I spiritually bypassed, which we now know as a term, I would say, well, we'll just pray about it. Or I just slap, I didn't slap the scripture. I honestly meant the scripture. Uh, We prayed. I didn't know another tool. I didn't really know how to, I mean, of course I would say, hey, talk to me. Yeah. Let's talk about it. But I really did not have what I have now. Right. And so, but you do. Hmm. Okay. 
So anxiety elephants, first of all, love the elephant theme. Thank you. Love it. Where did that come from? Right. So this is a question I get quite a bit. And uh, I started out as a speaker, not really ever intending to write, you know, but God does that. He takes us in different paths. And when I would share my story, I would kind of describe anxiety for those who had never experienced it. And the example, the, the picture that I would give them would be that it feels like this elephant sitting on your chest, right? If you're listening, if you've experienced anxiety, you're probably like, oh, yes, it's this heavy, heavy weight. And so that's kind of what the Lord took me to. Anybody can get this visual of anxiety elephants. Oh, yes, it's a weight. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to move. You're just kind of paralyzed. And so that's kind of where that visual came from. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been to Kenya and I've been on safari and I've seen those big mama elephants out there. It's a matriarchal society. They are all toe on the line behind her. And you're like, don't want her to sit down next to me or on me. No way. So you actually did have your own anxiety elephant, Karis. And I would love for you, if you wouldn't mind sharing just a, a peek into how this actually came out of your own, which is very typical for authors, for our work to come out of our own pain and suffering and experience. Yes. And and I I am so grateful that God takes what the enemy meant to defeat us, to kill and destroy us. And he turns it and he uses it for good. And I am grateful to just be sitting here alive with you today because um, 11 years ago, that was almost not the case. And I found myself. Yeah. Mm. And just this place where I was filled with anxiety. I was filled with anxiousness. Now I was a master of the mask. Let me, there we go. Master, master of the mask. I mean, my husband and I, we were leading worship at the time. I had a successful business going on in my home. My daughter, who is now about to be 14, she was living her best toddler life at the time. So everything appeared great. Um, Physically, I was just, I was skinny. I was losing weight. People would ask me, Hey, what are you doing? So I appeared Uh perfect. Yeah. When we lose weight, that's not usually a bad thing. Right. It's like another whole nother conversation. A whole other conversation. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, this weight of this mass that I was carrying, it started to get really heavy. Um, and what I was dealing with on the inside did not match the outside. And I was just struggling to keep up this expectation, this, this look of, of perfection. I was terrified to fail. I didn't want to fail people. I didn't want to fail God. I didn't want to let anyone down. I had convinced myself that I had to be perfect, that I couldn't have problems for God to use me. Now, I think that's a, a plot of the enemy to get so many of us who do follow Christ, mm-hmm. who are believers, and we are afraid. And if we make a mess, if we have a mistake, well, that's it. God can't use us anymore, you know? Well, <laughs> now I'm going to interject and I am going to interrupt here just for a second because um, that actually comes from a very real space that we weren't allowed to. Right. We right. really just weren't. Now, yeah. I married a man who was married before. Now, I was, you know, we're, we're talking 80, 1984. Yeah. And we went to a very small New Testament church and charismatic. And I remember I thought, wow, he's a great guy. When I met him, he was separated. And I just remember people saying to me, Janelle, you cannot marry someone with the big D. 
Mm-hmm. It will impede your ministry. It will hold you back. The only one who didn't say that was actually my pastor because he had walked with my husband through the whole entire experience. And at that time, it was like, be above reproach. Yeah. Do not give the enemy any footholds and that mm-hmm. won't impede, you know, so it was this weird theology and teaching. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, so if I, I'm going to wear a scarlet D. So we come by this honestly. And I know a lot of my community is 35 and older, you know, a lot. And I think a lot of the women, my age, 50s, 60s, 70s, we know that well, I'm so grateful. There's so much more freedom, but it's still not to the point where we really air AIR, hang up any mental and emotional problems for sure. Yeah. Like I'm walking around with a cane right now. So people are very aware that I'm going through something. But when you have a mental, emotional problem, you don't carry anything that shows that we try to cover it up like you we did. Cover it up. That's what I did. And, yeah. and I can remember um, at that time in my life when young girls would come to me for encouragement, for advice, for wisdom about anxiety, if they were depressed, I will be honest with you and tell you, I did not think it was real. My attitude wow. to them was that they were feeling sorry for themselves, mm-hmm. that they were whining. And so my advice to them would unfortunately sound something like this. You need to pray harder. You need to read your Bible more. You need to trust God more. And if I knew you really well, I would say something to you like, well, you just need to suck it up, buttercup. Oh yeah. Buck up, baby. Yeah. And and, I, and that is not the compassion of Christ. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. meet us with that, but I learned that through going through what I went through and I found myself, I would just at random times, my heart would just race. I couldn't catch my breath. I would be driving down the road and feel like uh, I was going to wreck or that something bad was going to happen. And I would just be paralyzed in fear, but I wouldn't tell anybody. I wouldn't tell anybody. How old were you? Can you give us age, like age when you were driving Um, and then the age mm -hmm. when you would offer that? Because I'm assuming you were a leader. I was, I mean, I was in my late twenties, almost 30 at the time. Um, And so I just, I didn't know. You were schooled well, though. You were schooled, but that is how we were schooled. And that's why we all have to take take the shame blanket off of us and offer the curiosity and the self-compassion that we have. We have the language to do that now. I didn't even know what shame was until Dr. Brene Brown started talking about it. You know, it's like, oh, I have that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And and I can remember I would feel shame when those things would happen. Like, what what is this? What did I do wrong? Thank what you. did I do? And so then I would belittle myself, you know, and I would have this ping pong ball going back and forth in my head of the shoulds. You should be trusting God better. You should be doing this. Um, why aren't you doing other things? And I would just belittle myself and I would put myself mm. down those less words. You're hopeless, mm. useless, mm. worthless. And then I found myself trying to numb the pain of the anxiety. And I used food. I used exercise. I would starve the pain. Me too. Uh, you know, yeah. I would over exercise. I would work out two and three hours a day. I did not eat. I didn't even eat a thousand calories a day. Yeah. I would drink gallons of water. And I found myself in this place where I had a, I mean, I had a pretty legit anxiety attack. I was frozen on my couch thinking my two-year-old daughter is going to mm-hmm. come in here and find her mommy dead on the floor. Yeah. I, it's because I didn't I'm know so what was going on. I know. I'm sorry and, that, that our system didn't do better. Yeah. 
Well, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Cause <laughs> God brought healing through that. Yeah. I did call my mom. She was a safe person. for oh, me. Hallelujah. That's amazing. Right? It was I was grateful for that. And she told me, she said, Karis, you got to go to the doctor. You need to go right now just to make sure everything is okay. And at almost 30, I knew not to argue with my mother that I needed to go do <laughs> Good girl. what she said. <laughs> and I did. But you know what? When I got there, I can remember telling those nurses, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a burden to you today. I'm sorry. I'm for sorry. To do this. I'm so sorry. And I had an amazing nurse and she looked at me and she said, you do not have to apologize. This oh. is why we're here. Yes. This is why we are here. And she just offered me so much comfort in that moment. My husband came to get my daughter who was crying because she didn't know what was going on. Sure. Her my husband was like, what's happening? I was like, just, just go. Cause I didn't want him to see me that way. And the doctor told me, Hey, you're having an anxiety attack. Your heart is fine. You're having an anxiety attack. And of course, at that moment I argued with him, told him sure. he was wrong. You know, I'm good. I'm fine. Please I, tell I me something this. besides anxiety. Yeah, anything else. Anything tell but. Me, tell me something that's really real that I can. That <laughs> I can't go I tell can, people I'm having anxiety. That's right. And even tell me something that I can fix by myself. I know that I don't have to let others in, but you know, that's not what it was. And that's what, not the path. And so it just got worse and worse for me. And I, uh, then I moved into a place of dread, depression. I mean, Mm -hmm. I dreaded getting up every day. I thought I was a burden and a bother to everyone around me. And the bottom of the bottom for me, I ended up getting pregnant, which was a miracle in itself. Um, But I was getting closer and closer to a hundred pounds. And the doctor, she, she said, Karis, you know what? I don't care if you eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the sake of the baby eat. And two things happened that day. That mama bear (laughs) instinct kicked in, take care of of that life. But also if a doctor says you can eat donuts, (laughs) lunch and dinner, I mean, come on. Yeah. We're going (laughs) to eat the donuts. Sprinkles, sprinkles, all the flavors. So I did, I ate a lot of donuts and I gained about six pounds in eight weeks. Wow. But I lost the baby. Oh. And that was the bottom. And of course, the mm. enemy comes in. And he says, look what you did. Look oh, yeah. Did. I feel like and I'm looking right. in the mirror, actually. Our stories okay. are very similar. similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it was just, you know, everyone would be better off without you here. You're yes. not needed. You're That's not wanted. It. You don't have a purpose. You need to go. And that was in the moment where God truly met me. And he just whispered, look up. And when I looked up, I thought I was going to be alone. I thought I was going to be rejected. And when I looked up, that lie of the enemy was met full force with God's truth. Wow. There were the helpers. A counselor was there for me. Wonderful. A doctor was there for me. My family, my they friends, up. they showed up and they said, we love you. We wow. love you. Wow. And I'm grateful for that. And then as I began to learn um, how, to, how to think differently, how to mm-hmm. respond differently. But I also learned with a friend one day when she said, Hey, Karis, how are you? Our daughters were having a play date together. And I didn't go back to, I'm good. I'm fine. Wonderful. I will never forget that day. I said to her, I am dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression. And I'm telling you with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, you too. And I was yep. floored. And I yep. said, yes, I know. me too. Why? Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not letting each other in? Yeah. And we found comfort and solace in that day, knowing we weren't alone. 
Yes. You're not alone. That That's it wasn't good. just her. It wasn't just me. You know, there are millions of us who are struggling and dealing with that. And mm-hmm. so that's where God began to say, this is what I'm calling you to. This is your ministry to speak truth, to bring faith and mental health together. Use your story, use your experience, use what you learn to mm-hmm. talk about it, to change the narrative, yeah. to allow us in the faith community to no longer put our heads in the sand about it because maybe we don't truly understand, but be a leading voice, learn, learn, be open, you know, to help people. And and I went through a lot of counseling. My doctor helped me. And in counseling, I realized a lot of this started when I was a child. I was going to ask that. Unhealthy habits, which is why the tween books, I guess I'm so passionate about those. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was bullied as a young child. So through that, that's what I, I want to know myself. Yeah. I, I taught myself to hide, push mm-hmm. it down. Don't tell anybody, just pretend like everything is okay. I put this expectation of perfection on myself mm-hmm. um, to don't fail. Don't make a mistake. Don't put yourself in any kind of situation where you could be picked on or yeah. rejected. That's it. Again. That's yeah. really it. It's That's like, it. I'm not going to yeah. feel that feeling again. Mm-mm. Not going to. I want to ask this if I, if I can. Yeah. Um, I have two two thoughts, but this main one is not was not on the agenda. But it sounds from hearing your story that you were raised in what we call secure attachment. So I'm very um, strong, pound the table to get everyone in the world, every parent particularly, to understand what secure attachment is. Because if a child can move through life having that capacity of being seen and heard and loved and known and cared for and safe and secure. You had that. It sounds that way. Okay. And I always say this because I did not, you know, and so I came with an insecure attachment. I've had to do a lot of ladder work, but it sounds like you had that. And so a lot of people say, well, it must be nice. They won't have to deal anything. And I'm like, no, that's not true. I mean, you can have a great, not perfect home life, family of origin, with secure attachment, but yet come into schools or athletics or dance classes or wherever, like you just said, and be bullied or something. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Now, uh, and part of this bullying for me, I have a mild form of cerebral palsy in my left side. Oh. So I was physically different to the other children. Now, my parents wow. were very adamant. I have a twin brother as well. Do you? I have a twin boy girls. Do you? I do. I'm, I am older by one minute. I don't hold that She's over my older twin by five. anymore. That's funny. <laughs> I used to when we were younger, but I don't hold that over him. Yes. Um, now, he did not have a, a physical disability. So my parents, wow. they worked very hard to help me know that that disability did not get to, to define my ability Mm -hmm. that I could participate and be involved with other things like other children may have to work harder, may have to look to do things a little bit different, but I could do that. Now, early on, this is where the bullying Mm -hmm. began for me because I was different. So they made fun of the way that I looked, the way that I walked, the way I would hold my arm up. Um, And Mm. so that's where I experienced, you know, for me, that rejection, that being different and Mm -hmm. not wanting to be put in that situation again. So that's where I, my parents never did this to me. I put the expectation of perfection. Okay. um, Yeah. It's just who you were born in the world to be. That's right. Yeah. Um, And that, that, that disability did not get to 
hold me back. So I just put on, I, my worldview just became so obsessive, maybe obsessive is not the right word, but just mm-hmm. so it was just imperative that mm-hmm. that did not defeat me, you know, ain't happening again. Right. I think it's a lot happening. of us do that. We dig our yeah. heels and I don't want to feel that feeling, whatever that feeling. I definitely had that in my life. I think most of us have had yeah. that feeling and yes. subconsciously we kick into gear. It's all subconscious. It is. And so, and I call, I actually just call like, you're just one of our high functioning, <laughs> anxious people. Very. <laughs> I was very good at high functioning. Yes. Type A, I mean, us yes. type A people, we are, We're we really are good at high functioning. We I think are. it's the human spirit, but yeah. not everybody kicks into high functioning and that's yeah. not a good thing. I no. mean, it, 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 it looks like a good thing because yeah. it's what culture and church culture applauds. Yeah. Wow. She's a go-getter. Look at her. She can do 12 things at once. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But we're not, we're not looking at the issue. We're not mm, looking at what, not. what's really going on. Why is there such a push to do that? And, mm-hmm. you know, for the way that my parents grew up, you know, and I'm curious for, for you, maybe even your parents, they were taught, push it down, move push on. it down. My mm-hmm. grandmother put that lipstick on and you keep going. And the heels so, and the hose. And the hill. Yeah. <laughs> and so they naturally, that's what they taught. That's just because what they grew up in, but and it didn't diminish their love for me, but that's what they yeah. they knew. And so now we're learning more, thankfully, mm-hmm. yeah. how to do some things differently, how to talk about some things. And and I had a very powerful moment with my mom. I was going uh-huh. through counseling and she called me one day and she said, Karis, is there anything that you need to tell me that I did that God, hurt just- you? Mm-hmm. Or um, just really, you know, cause you some some hurt feelings, and mm-hmm. I mean, tears just welled up in my eyes, and I, I too. told her, and uh, she said to me, "I'm sorry." Oh, I know I'm it's sorry. so hard, and it's I so knew tough. that was hard for her. So tough, such oh, a powerful, Ooh. yeah, such a powerful moment for my mom mm-hmm. to be willing to look back and say. I made a mistake. And I think that's good for us as parents it to is. be willing you have to, to say be. to our kids, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I made a mistake. I didn't get it right. And I think that, that if we do that, even now with our littles, with our tweens, mm-hmm. with our teens, how much grace does that give them to realize, oh, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to put this pressure on myself all because the, there's so much pressure. So when we give that mm-hmm. that room, that safe place to do that, even yeah. as a 30 year old, mm-hmm. man, that was so powerful in my relationship with my mom. I'm and so that, happy you said that. Yeah. And that gave me freedom mm-hmm. to begin doing that now with my almost 14 year old and 10 year old daughter mm-hmm. to say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's the right thing to apologize and to teach them yeah. This is part of growing up. This is part mm-hmm. of learning. We do not figure it all out when we're adults and parents. Oh, no. And but I think that still have a lot to learn. That's my absolute number one passion is for men and women, parents to, you know, I always say in my practice, like the very first step with the family system is to say today's a new day. Okay. I went, we went today and we got some help. I have a family contract that I sent home with them and, you know, and you sit down and it's not fun and it's terribly, you know, uh, awkward and, but sit down and say, it's a new day. Mom and dad got to learn some new ways of doing things. And so today we're going to start being healthy and here's what's unhealthy. And everyone's if that in my ideal world, that would just happen in every home. Wow. The world would be a different place. So thank you. I had a quick second question that I had when you were being yes. cared for. 
So I wonder what, when that nurse spoke to you and she offered you grace, you know, what did that feel like? I don't know if this is the answer you were expecting, but I honestly, I kind of pushed back. I was just Ooh, like, okay, there you go. No, that's think, good. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't deserve this. I, how can you love me in this moment? How can you care for me when I am bringing all of this, you know, mess and disaster and all of this in. So it was very difficult for me to hear that and let that in, but she just continued to speak it over me. I'm here for you. This is why I'm here today. So Mm -hmm. in that moment, in that day, it was hard for me Mm -hmm. just because of where I was at mentally to just let it in. You know, I think sometimes we, when you're going through anxiety or depression, you, I kind of was comfortable in that place because I thought, this is just the best as it's going to get for me. And it, mm-hmm. hope was hard. It was hard to hope. Um, yes. Hard to hope. And hard to offer yourself yeah. grace and self-compassion. Yes. We don't yes. talk anything self in the Christian life. We're mm-hmm. getting better. I mean, thank the Lord it's yeah. getting so much better. Yeah. But self-love, self-compassion, self-care, not ever in our vocabulary, ever. My generation, never. Yeah. No, it was taboo. It was bad. And so I wonder if that moment in your life, because I just know that your voice, which we equate voice with value, birth and Mm. dignity in this community, was that a moment as you can look back now and think maybe just a tiny bit of the elephant started coming off your chest? Maybe, or was it? it, I think, you know what, I think with dealing with that elephant, I began to realize, hey, I'm not supposed to do this by myself. Galatians 6.2 tells us that we are not to bear the burdens alone. We are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that, that uh, vision of me kind of, we kind of put this vision of wearing a badge of honor. If we can carry it all, if we can Mm -hmm. do it all alone. And that's not true. That's not Mm -hmm. the case. So looking back at her, knowing that that is such a visual memory. Yeah. It was a moment where God began to show me, I don't want you to go through this Mm -hmm. by yourself. You're not supposed to carry all the burdens and all the burdens of everyone else. You're to share the load, help one another go through this together because she had something to offer. She had wisdom to offer me that I needed that Mm -hmm. I did not have within myself. So she could offer me that Mm -hmm. grace. She could offer me that um, security that Mm -hmm. I needed in that moment. And so I think that's where God began to show me that that is practical. And that's an important skill when we are healing and be, and Mm -hmm. learning how to respond differently for mentally things, even for our kids Mm -hmm. to know, Hey, you don't have to go through this by yourself. It's okay That's to it. ask for help. That's mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Even when I'm in it high is. schools, I'll tell high school kids, it is the right thing for you to do to ask a safe adult, yes. a safe person for help. And they mm-hmm. will all just look at me and just kind of tilt their head and think, ah, mm-hmm. That's right. Like that's not wrong. And and I'm and I will yeah. say it multiple times. That is the right thing to do with those safe adults in your life. And so I think that's yeah. what that moment offered. Perfect. For me. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Oh, I could just so many things. Do you mind or do you have the book in front of you? I do. Oh, yay. I'm so glad. Would you mind reading the introduction? Because I just love it. Now I have it, I have the anxiety elephants. 
for tweens, yes. not a boy yes. or the girl. I have the overall. And it's page nine, I think. Yes, it is. Ten. I want you to read it. Okay. All right. Here we go. The rumbling. Do you hear it? Can you feel it? You're walking. You're ready to shoot the ball or picking up your pencil for a test. And here they come. Anxiety elephants. You know the feeling, right? They sneak around in the bushes waiting for the right moment to strike. At this point, it's too late. There's nothing you can do to stop them. Suddenly, they pounce. A herd of elephants jump up and down on your chest. If you struggle with what I've described, no, you are not alone. I hid my struggle against anxiety for a long time. I thought anxiety elephants, as I like to call them, only attacked me. I didn't know there were others who struggled with the same thing. Growing up, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, but I didn't know what it was. When I would get bullied or be afraid of something, my heart would race or I couldn't sleep at night. Sometimes trying to get one breath out was exhausting. I will never forget in fifth grade waking up with blurry vision and extreme headaches. I told my parents my symptoms and they took me to the doctor. He asked if I was being bullied. He mentioned anxiety and I was relieved to know what was happening inside my body. However, he didn't give me any solutions I could use to cope with and overcome my problems. Over the next 90 days, I want to give you what I wish someone would have given me to help stomp out those anxiety elephants. You will find scripture, tools, journaling pages to write your thoughts and stomp steps. Anxiety uses repetition to attack. It doesn't use a million different messages to invade your life. The lies are always the same. In the following pages, you will find truth repeated to break the hold of untruths looping in your mind. Anxiety will not be allowed to overcome you. As you open each day, you will be equipped to do the overcoming. There will be some simple skills and some others a little more difficult. You may find certain days of stomping out anxiety elephants will feel a little silly. I hope laughter comes through those pages. Now, are you ready to stomp? Let's go. Ready to stomp. I love it. Where's your conference? I'm ready to stomp. I want to be there. I want to help. I want to help kids stomp. Oh, no. Oh, I know. So you good. have what is a stomp? I want to know what is a stomp step because at the end of each of the uh, devotionals, you have a stomp step and yes. they are so good. I have already got a web of them that I think are oh, so I love that. So I have an adult version of Anxiety Elephants that we started with, and each day ends with an action step. But I, you know, thinking as a tween, a a nine to 12 year old, I'm like, they need more than just action. They need like a visual action word. So stomp, stomp, elephant stomp. I was a tap dancer, so. Right, you know, you get it. So we want to stomp back. We want to stomp back against that anxiety. And when you are anxious, Sometimes it's difficult to know what actions to take. You want to take an action, but you're just paralyzed. You don't know what to do. So each day there is just a a simple stop step for these children, for these tweens and their parents, if they're reading along with them, to know what to do, what action to enforce that day through their stopping. And so um, I tried that out on my own daughters. I was like, what do y'all think about this word? And they they knew, they're like, oh, stop. And they, you know, as little kids, you dance, you learn how to stomp. Honey, you learn how to stomp. Yeah, I see a stomp choreography. I'm already there. (laughs) Stomp choreography. We'll have a dance to teach at your conferences. I am all over. I love it. I love it. Yes. (laughs) I have a dance studio forever. So that is so fun. Stomping is fun. Yeah, I do a lot of stomping. Yep. And there is even one day, I forgot how far it is into the devotional, where they can stomp on uh, bubble wrap. 
paper. Perfect. Right. Love that. I, every time I read, I'm going to write them. Just I'm going to read them. Excuse me. I'm going to read some stomp steps. Flashlight tag. One of my kids' favorite things to do. And every one of these that I read, Karis, I thought this this a whole family should be doing this. Yes. Like that's it. adults can. I think play. My very first book with parenting, I was like, play is so powerful. So it teaches so many things. You have uh, journaling, doodling, which my one of my daughters doodled so much, and I love it. Breath work, um, gratitude, body awareness. It just goes on. It's so good. It, this is such a, to me, it's like anxiety elephants for the family. Because oh, most of us, Karis, most of us, and this is not an insult to anyone, so don't take it that way. You know, the average reading age for most of us is fifth grade. And when I read this, it is so helpful. Like I, I just already have the skill after reading it. So I think, you know, you have, don't lose that. Translate that when you write to adults, you know, (laughs) because it is uh, so powerful. So thank you. I, I want to honor your time. Can I close by reading three and, or you read three? I, maybe Either you way. read it, and I would like to just offer this as a closing meditation. Um, we're trying, we're trying to um, practice in this season the contemplative rhythms of stillness, silence, and solitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm adding audio meditations. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do, actually, is to create audio meditations. And I saw this one as very visual and could be a beautiful one to end with. So. Heartlifters, just take a moment. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> if you um, are home or walking, or maybe if you're walking, go find a park bench or just maybe take a moment to sit. This is a beautiful way as we're trying to add in this practice of silence and stillness and solitude and meditation. So Karis, lead us. Yes. All right. This is three. The scripture focus for this is 2 Corinthians 12, 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When really hard things happen to you, it sticks in your heart forever. In first grade, a boy in my classroom gathered everyone around to make fun of me. I was born with a mild form of cerebral palsy causing the muscles in my left arm to be really tight and my foot was turned inward. He held his arms up like a bunny rabbit and began to hop around me saying that is what I looked like. Pretty harsh, right? I went home and cried but told no one. It looked like this friend used my weakness against me. I thought to not be made fun of again, I had to be perfect and never show my weaknesses. I was mistaken. We do not have to hide struggles like anxiety and pretend to have it all together. We can be open and honest about our imperfections with God. He can handle any difficult situation. Nothing is too hard for Him. The Lord's strength comes shining out in our weaknesses. As we allow Him into those places, they no longer have power over us. We have power over them. And the stop step, share a moment someone made fun of you. Talk to your parents or an adult you trust about this experience and ask for their help in finding God's strength to move forward. Thank you so much. 
So Heartlifter, take this to heart today. This is our lean in teaching moment, our growth point for today with Karis. She's invited us to think of a moment. Uh, perhaps it was long ago or maybe yesterday mm. where someone made you feel small. They tried to take a piece of you. And first and foremost, I always want to invite you to take that to our Heavenly Father and then ask for help if you need more help. You know we're here to help you. So Karis, thank you so much. I just shower you with blessings with this work and can't wait to see um, how it unfolds in your life. Thank you for being honest and vulnerable and transparent and just know there are a community of heartlifters here for you if you ever need it, that you have a safe place. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here with your community today. You're welcome. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.